Last time I was in Croatia, I made a point of going out on my own, leaving my friend and my family behind and going to the farmer's market. And that's when I realized, oh, I can't even do numbers. So this time I went to talk to my tutor that I was about to travel to Spain. I said, I need help with numbers. And so he said, sure, no problem. He's fantastic. He pulled up a lesson plan immediately. We went over numbers. And when I got to Spain, it worked. I was I was able to say, well, I don't want to keep trying a method that has not worked for me. There's no point in that. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 140. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. My name is Shannon Kennedy, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Benny Lewis. And today we are chatting with Peggy, who was a participant in the Fluent in Three Months Challenge, which is now known as the Fluent in Three Months Bootcamp. And you can learn more about the program and how you too can have a 15-minute conversation in a new language at fluentinthreemonths.com slash bootcamp. So let's go ahead and get into our chat with Peggy. Peggy. Do you want to tell us how your adventures with language learning began? I was very, very fortunate. I grew up in an atmosphere, an area, and a family, and a school system that was really encouraging for learning and exploring the world. Um, my parents both spoke multiple languages, and we, my sister speaks Spanish, I was speaking French, and we would sit there at the dining room table and speak to each other in different languages all at the same time. That was normal to me. Um, and then in college, I lived in the French house. I had a scholarship that required me to live on campus. And so I lived in the French house for my last three years. And we had to take a class each semester in order to live there. And we were supposed to, supposed to, but didn't always, uh, speak nothing but French in the house. So I was off to a very good start. What I found when I tried to learn another language as an adult, that my mistake was thinking that what worked for me then was going to work for me now. And it definitely didn't. And it gave me a roadmap of what didn't work. And then I had to figure out a roadmap for what does work. One of the most helpful moments of my life was before I went to Paris at the age of 16, I was so afraid of making a mistake. I was afraid that I would say le instead of la. And then I realized if someone comes to the U.S. and they say, I am run to store, you say, that's great. We're out of bread. Can you get me some, please? And once I realized that no one was going to laugh at me, no one was going to criticize me, no one was going to stick their nose up in the air and, and avoid talking to me because I had used the wrong indefinite article, you couldn't shut me up. <laughs> I walked around Paris and talked to everybody. I just ditched my tour group and went and did my own thing. And it just felt effortless. And freeing myself from that fear was really the key then and has been the key now. Uh, Benny always talks about making all these mistakes and how many you should make a day. I'm not afraid to make mistakes because we're so forgiving of people who come to our country and don't speak the language. And it's only fair that we give ourselves the same grace that we give others. So it's interesting that you you came uh, from this background that really encouraged language learning and you even had the opportunity in university. And for people who as adults are kicking themselves saying, man, I wish I had this uh, kind of background up upbringing. It would have solved all my problems. 
but it didn't solve all your problems. It didn't mean like this environment did not mean you automatically became a polyglot. So why, why is that? Because for a lot of people, they would imagine, you know, oh man, it's so late in life. I'm in my 20s or my 30s or whatever, and I'm just starting. If only I had done this. So can you tell, talk to those people and say, like, if you had this kind of encouraging background, it wouldn't necessarily have actually solved your problems. So why is that? Because as adults who are returning to learning a language, whether they tried and failed before or are trying it for the first time, it really helps to set aside the mindset that the school approach is the best approach. We've come a long way in educational philosophy and processes and acceptance of things like neurodivergence. One size does not fit all. And I think in a lot of ways, our failures are as important as our successes. If somebody says, I tried and I couldn't do it. No, you just couldn't do it that way. There's another way. Find another way. Um, and I find that spin works for me in a lot of ways mentally. You put a good spin on things. For example, I can't wrap packages to save my life. I'm the reason the gift bag industry exists, but I'm an amazing cook and I can knit delicate lace. So rather than saying I'm terrible at wrapping packages, I say my skills lie elsewhere. And that changes you from seeing an occasion of failure instead as an opportunity for future success. And that's what I've done with the language is I was try I tried Duolingo. It did not work for me. I tried Anki. It did not work for me. But I had to find what did. And I was somewhat forced into a position of finding new alternatives because the language that I chose to learn first was Croatian. It's not available in a lot of apps. Um, Rosetta Stone doesn't have it. Last time I checked, Duolingo didn't have it. So I had to look for some different apps. And because I was looking for something obscure, it sort of limited my possibilities, but at the same time opened new doors. And so I found Mondly and Drops. And they were very, very helpful. Uh, Mondly was the first one that really appealed to my learning style. You have to get your pronunciation checked. You have to spell things. You have to fill in the words. You have to sometimes um, have a conversation with the computer. And that really got me very far. And I have a fear of having a limited vocabulary. That's the fear that I need to overcome. So I added a vocabulary program, which is Drops. And that was really good. And during the pandemic, um, I was home a lot, recovering from some injuries, so I didn't have a lot else going on, and I devoted so much time to learning Croatian. And then we went back to Croatia uh, two years ago, and I realized that I could not hold a conversation. The, same, the classic trap that we've all run into. I could say, my vacuum cleaner is broken and the floor is dirty. But when I went to the farmer's market and I ordered strawberries, I couldn't tell how much he was charging me. I had no idea. And so I've used what didn't work to find what does work. And that's when I joined the last challenge. And when I noticed that I still wasn't making as much progress in Spanish as I wanted, I looked at what others were doing different from me, got a tutor, and then off to the races. So I want to touch on something that you said just a moment ago, and it's something that I think is really relevant and, and a mindset that Benny and I share with you. And it was what you said about how failures are more important than successes. I'd love if you could spend a little bit more time on this and explain why you feel this way and maybe give some examples of how that's shown up for you in your own experience. Thing that I couldn't hold a conversation made me completely re-examine my approach when I switched from Croatian to Spanish. Um, 
last time I was in Croatia, I made a point of going out on my own, leaving my friend and my family behind and going to the farmer's market. And that's when I realized, oh, I can't even do numbers. So this time I went, um, talked to my tutor that I was about to travel to Spain. And I said, I need help with numbers. And so he said, sure, no problem. He's fantastic. He pulled up a lesson plan immediately. We went over numbers. And when I got to Spain, it worked. Um, I was I was able to say, well, I don't want to keep trying a method that has not worked for me. There's no point in that. Um, so if it's just that I couldn't do it that way, I needed to find a different way. And when I knew exactly which specific areas had caused me problems in a prior learning experience, I was able to ask for and use help in my new experience. And it made an enormous difference. I'm, I'm not afraid to admit when I can't do something. I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong. I'm not afraid to laugh at myself. Um, the, the knowledge that other people are not laughing at me does not mean that I can't laugh at myself. There was a particularly memorable experience in college. I, we had to do a project every year for our our housemates. And I used to collect children's books in French. And so I said I was going to read bedtime stories. I made chocolate chip cookies. I got milk and I told them to wear their pajamas. And the first year I did it, I had our exchange student who lived with us listen to me read the story first so that she could correct me on any mistakes. And the second year I did not do that. And I chose Peter Rabbit and his sisters are Flopsy, Mopsy, and Cottontail. Well, having not checked my pronunciation, I fell into a very easy French mistake that the word for Cottontail, the word for uh, tail and ass sound very similar. So at the end of the story, Pascaline said, can I see that book? And I realized at that point that I had spent the entire book reading about his sisters, Flopsy, Mopsy, and Cotton Ass. And I still laugh about it. That was 30 years ago. I still find it hilarious. But I also know that that is something that I need to practice on for an important situation. In casual conversation, it's not as big a deal, but if it's an important situation, it's worth talking to a tutor, doing a language exchange, finding a native speaker, and, and making sure that you get it right, because that gives you the confidence to go through it without feeling too nervous. I find that if I'm nervous, I rush so that I can get through it before making a mistake, but then I'm more likely to make mistakes. So uh, back to the big issue you were talking about, like vocabulary and how it was initially holding you back. And you use tools like Drops that has a kind of um, theme to it that you can pick a, a section of just this one type of vocabulary. Um, this kind of got you into a concept we talk about a lot uh, in boot camp and in, the, in what was the challenge of language islands. So what was your process of deciding which language island am I going to be focusing on now? And what was your experience in expanding just one theme of vocabulary? Well, one thing I knew that did not work for me was following the one size fits all of learning the, the suggested categories, because they all start you out with how to order drinks. I now know nine ways to order coffee and two ways to order orange juice. I'm allergic to coffee and orange juice. I will never, ever need those things. But what I do need is language for weddings. I am a wedding officiant, um, and I rather accidentally fell into a niche of doing weddings in Spanish, even though I didn't speak Spanish. And so I said, okay, let me focus on that first. Um, and the things that surround it, I need to learn things like, I will file your paperwork on Monday, rather than your dress is very pretty. So that was my my first one. And I had gotten um, a coach here at the local university to help me with my script. And 
I chose to use a translation of my own wedding script because they were my words in English and therefore I knew what they meant in Spanish and I felt more relaxed delivering them. But as a result, that throws in some interesting big vocabulary words that I would not use otherwise. And in my tutoring sessions, we focus on conversation and not grammar. I can get grammar from a book. He can answer the the, the what questions, the why questions. Um, so we chat and we the more we get to know each other, the more we get into more difficult discussions. So I have learned words like controversial or rarity or racism before I've learned how to say 27. <laughs> and But that appeals to my learning style. And I've been very fortunate to find a tutor that is willing to let me lead in the directions that mean the most to me. The one size fit all does not work for me. And I was very lucky to find on the very first try, I didn't have to switch tutors um, to, to have him from the get go. And he has really made a difference. And I'm no longer afraid of stepping out to a new language island. Um, last summer, I rather accidentally started a feral cat rescue program in my neighborhood. And so I've now learned to speak all kinds of things about feral cats and why we have them spayed and neutered. I was pleasantly surprised and very shocked. Um, a few weeks ago, I did a Spanish wedding for someone and I showed up and there were six or seven kittens on their porch. And suddenly I was able to combine both of my uh, language islands. We were able to talk about the feral cats before we got into the wedding. It's never happened before, but it was pretty exciting. So you had just mentioned how you figured out what was most important for you was to design a tailored learning approach that fit you personally. And I think it takes a lot of language learners a long time to not only realize that, but figure out what that approach is for them. So can you talk a little bit about how you, one, came to the conclusion that you needed to have a personalized learning agenda, and then two, how you figured out what that needed to be for you personally? I think a lot of us who choose to learn something new after school, on their own, later in life, however you want to put it. Do it with a particular goal in mind. And we know what we like and we know what we don't like. And what we don't like is to be bored. And if you give me nine different ways to order coffee, I'm going to tune out. But if you start talking about, I like birds, for example. So I just did a unit the other day telling me all the different breeds of birds. And I now know how to say hummingbird and birdhouse and things like that. If it's not interesting to you, you're going to tune it out. And that's not worth your time or your investment. Um, when you choose to learn a new skill, you are investing in yourself and you deserve to make the most of that investment. You're worth it. So don't waste time doing something that is not right for you. Um, I know there are two different flashcard programs that we've used um, that have been recommended in the program. Anki does not work for me. I am not a memorize it and spit it back out person. I need to use it in order to make it work. Um, I'm a read-write learner, and we've come a long way on understanding that everybody's different learning styles need different approaches. And we're very fortunate now that we have so many resources to us. It can get a little overwhelming. I think having been limited to looking for ones that were available in Croatian from the start, put me down a pathway where I found one that worked for me. Otherwise, I would probably still be thinking Duolingo is the way to go and I would not be making the progress that I'm making. And I'm also pretty competitive, not with others, but against myself. 
I'm always trying to do better than last time. Um, on Mondly right now, I think I'm number 58 on the leaderboard. I'm not looking at, oh, I have to beat Lawrence. He's number one. I'm, I'm just happy if I'm in the top 50 because that means that I'm making my goals. And that way of finding a motivation that isn't one size fits all. I don't need a certain score. I just need to know that I'm progressing and we've been able to find a way that that helps me do that. I know other programs find different ways to motivate and not everything works for everyone. Um, when I saw people in the challenge group using tutors, I was like, okay, they're making a lot of progress. They're making more progress than I am. So I'll try that. And that was that changed everything. Uh, but even in the most ideal uh, conditions, when you finally do ha have this perfect or, or more perfect approach, uh, life still gets in the way. And during your challenge, you had to deal with a surgery, which for a lot of people would completely eliminate the chance of the, uh, the challenge continuing. And it would just end on that day. So how were you able to, to deal with this uh, big spanner in the works that just like, would have potentially ended the challenge. Um, but like, how did you bounce back after that? Well, the surgery was actually a few months before the challenge started. I had intended to spend that time immersing myself in Spanish, but instead I trapped a bunch of feral cats the day before my surgery. And I said, okay, so we'll do this. So I did that for a few months. And then I said, okay, I'm not going to let this opportunity go. But I have had a lot of other challenges, including fighting with this whole medical process um, during that time. What I found was a way to incorporate, I think Shannon calls it gap mapping, um, the combination of the Pomodoro method of intensive learning plus gap mapping is a, is a way to mesh everything together. So for example, while I was out there, I have to monitor the traps when I set them for the cats. So I'm out there with my phone in one hand and binoculars in the other, looking, okay, is that cat going into the trap? Have I already trapped that one? No. Okay. And then I go back to my vocabulary lesson. Um, I would look at the fact that I'm going to, I went back to work this week, the, the fact that I was going to be going back to work very soon. I was like, okay, I have to choose every moment that I can. But I also managed to tuck it into things that I was already doing. Um, I play, again, that, that matching game. And so I would say, when I was learning Croatian, if I had to look for three mushrooms, I would say three glive. And now I look for tres setas. So I, I do something that I'm already doing. I just do it in a different way. And since I learned by using it, not by memorizing it, just working it into what I was already doing made me realize how much more time I had available to us. We talk about the 45-minute commitment. Uh, I think during the challenge, I had done 60 minutes, five days a week. And it's not as hard to do as you think when you realize that you can work it into what you're doing. Um, and with all the fighting that I had to do with the Feral Cat Project and with the workers' comp experience and all of that, I'm, some people would say stubborn, a little too stubborn, but I use that to motivate myself. I refuse to believe that I wasn't going to do this. So I did it. I know that's, that's a hard mindset to adopt but I haven't had a choice in a lot of things. And John Lennon said, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Everything has turned out different than I expected, but I still find, found a way to make it what I wanted in the long run. Whether it was what I expected or not, it was still what I wanted in the long run. And I apply that to learning as well. So you use a lot of psychological and mental mindsets in order to 
not necessarily motivate yourself, but keep on track with it, what you're doing. Well, someone would almost say like it's discipline oriented, but in doing that, a lot of the time it, it can make something like learning a language less fun. So what are some of the ways that you've been able to maintain your motivation and have fun with your languages so that it doesn't just become so discipline or mindset oriented? I am far from disciplined. <laughs> I just use it as a way to psych myself out. Um, and so, for example, I'm ADHD. If I were to try and sit down and study on the, the calendar method that I've seen Betty set out on his schedule, that would not work for me. So I have to find a way to work it into what I know does work for me. It gets to a point where you, you know your strengths, you know your weaknesses, you know your limitations, you know your opportunities. And finding out what I could do that would work for me made a huge difference because once I realized that I could do it, all bets were off. When I had my first um, conversation with somebody in Spanish, I was stunned. I was like, wow, did you see that? Uh, it, it still, I still feel that. And, and that excitement, I think, is what motivates me more than any sense of discipline. I got a call the other day for a wedding and she was talking very fast. And normally I would interrupt and say, can you text me? That way I can run it through Google Translate. But she said, well, if I speak slower, will you understand me? And I said, oh, okay, let's, let's try that. And it worked. And I was so excited. And at the end, I hung up the phone and I looked at my husband. I was like, did you hear that? I just did that. It was in Spanish. Um, we went to Barcelona um, two months and six days into my first 90-day challenge. And it was so easy. I was shocked. I spent the whole first day looking at him going, did you see that? Like I spoke Spanish and I, he understood me and I understood him. And then once I got over that shock, it was just so easy. And so once you feel that sense of accomplishment, once you see you've made a little progress, it makes you hungry for more. And learning to celebrate each little success. I, I like little victories. Um, whether it's just, wow, I did a single phone call in Spanish, or I remembered the word for this, um, that it's a dopamine rush. And I think people that geek out on extra learning that isn't required by school understand that. And that's that gets me more than any sense of discipline. But I have had to trick my mind into doing those things. I can't meditate. I'm ADHD. I'm not going to do that. I know meditation works for other people. So I have to find a way to motivate myself by f measuring small successes everywhere I can. So what, what would be an interesting comparison is when you're measuring these successes versus what can feel like progress, but you don't really know if it's truly making a difference. Because you, you've said you had this, these actual tangible ways you could see your Spanish was absolutely uh, further along than it was. Like you were having these phone conversations. You were able to use it in person. And there's so many ways that we can busy ourselves in language learning that can give us a, a kind of a theoretical sense of achievement, like, the, like apps like Duolingo, give you the trophies and whatever. Um, but sometimes that can be just busy work. So how do you distinguish between something that you is just kind of using up your time in language learning versus something that is genuinely giving you those results. And how, how can you distinguish which is which? Um, I did actually ask my tutor this week, could you give me some tests so I can measure my progress? Because I, I do want to get a benchmark. One of the things that I had mentioned in 
our modules this time was I can measure my success by how much of my learning script for each module I can do on my own. So I wrote it three times. I wrote it in English, making sure to use words that I could, for the most part, do in Spanish. And then I wrote it in Spanish, what I thought would be right. And then I ran it through a translator. And I was able to see how close I was. Um, months ago, I wouldn't have been able to do that without running the entire thing through a translator. This time, it just kind of tweaked it. I made sure to use words that I knew, but I did that for module two. We just finished module three. I did the same thing, and I got a little closer. So I'm able to put things in front of me that are measurable without the pressure of a test and that aren't tied to someone else's sense of accomplishment. Um, I get motivated by going to the Mexican restaurant and not being afraid to order in Spanish. Um, the, in the past, I would have gone in and said table for two, and I would have ordered in English. Now I go in and I, I say those things in Spanish, and they look at me like, wow, she speaks Spanish. And then they talk to me in Spanish. I'm not afraid to do that. And the more comfortable I get, the easier it is. And I can measure that by the next time I go out to eat and I order in Spanish, I, I know more words. And, and you can see it for yourself. You don't have to reach for an external trophy or a score on the leaderboard. You can look for, I wanted to do this and it was easier this time than last time. So we've talked a lot about your experience learning Spanish and Croatian, but you've also learned a little bit of French. So can you talk a little bit about how you've managed to balance these three languages and find a place for them in your life? I had set French aside for a long time. It wasn't something that I needed to use here, and I hadn't been able to travel for many years. Um, but for our 15th anniversary, my husband and I went to Paris for a few days, and then we went to Croatia for the first time. And I found I picked it up pretty easily. What concerned me was that I had forgotten the, the words of politeness. And so I've made a point of trying to incorporate that in Spanish. Um, Croatian I've set aside for now because the, the whole doing weddings in Spanish thing really happened accidentally and has completely taken over my wedding practice. Um, they're now about 80% of my clients. And so I set everything else aside to focus on them. Um, I had thought about simplifying my script to make it easier for me. And then I said, nope, it's not about me. They deserve a beautiful wedding just like everyone else. And so I, I worked hard on that, um, and that's that's kept me going. But I do find that using the same app for multiple languages tends to reinforce the ones you've learned before. Um, so when you're learning foods, you know how to say mushroom. And when I see it as seta in Spanish, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's gliva in Croatian, because I've done it on the same app. And I find that that helps reinforce it. I have done a little bit, it's something I intend to do more, of trying to learn my fourth language from my second. So I want to change some of my settings on my apps just to test myself and do a Spanish vocabulary test, but have the answers in French rather than English. Um, they're very similar. Um, I think one thing that motivates me to find new words is I love finding literal translations that amuse me. Um, plumber in Croatian literally means water installer. And in Spanish, it's like the fountain man. Um, sea dog for shark in Croatian, things like that. Um, so when I find those 
it's it's a way to help me remember them. I don't have to memorize them. Just the humor of it helps me remember. And then when I learned it in Spanish, I was like, oh, yeah, shark. Remember that one in Croatian? So they they overlap. Um, Croatian and Spanish and French have very little in common. Um, but just knowing the same words in multiple languages, I, I think by using the same app helps me reinforce the prior ones. So it seems like you you found a certain balance with what you feel is going to help you progress in the language. Uh, so this being said, knowing which apps you're likely to use and what routines you can put in place, how did you find something like the challenge uh, gave you a leg up? Like how how, how does how is it different learning as a part of a community uh, when you already potentially know what you have to do? Not everyone shares the same passions and interests. Um, so not everyone here, not my family, but not my, my family does understand, but my, my friends don't necessarily understand why I'm so passionate about wanting to speak multiple languages. So being in a community where other people get that, being in a community where somebody says, you know, I did this today and you go, wow, that's amazing. I kind of want to do that. And it, you feed off of each other in a supportive atmosphere where you all are pursuing the same goals. You all find the same things interesting and exciting. Not everybody cares about birds. They might care about some other vocabulary unit, but they care about the learning and the process and encouraging each other. And that's something that I, I think made a huge difference for me. So I, I don't feel isolated. I feel supported. And I don't mean that to sound like my friends and family aren't supportive. It's that you're talking with people who know exactly what you're going through, who are facing the exact same challenge. And they're able to say, yeah, I, I remember when that happened to me. Here's what I tried. Um, and that that has made a huge difference, just knowing that my mistakes are the same mistakes everybody else makes. Um, like my tutor asked me the other day, um, he always asks how the weather is, but in Spanish, it's it's phrased almost as what what is the time? And occasionally, I won't read it as what's the weather. I will read it as, oh, what time is it? And I'll answer him. And somebody in our, our group call did that last week. And I was like, oh, thank heavens, I'm not the only one that makes that mistake. And that made me relax a little bit rather than beat myself up that I had completely misunderstood a, a normal question that I should have known by now. It's it's an easy slip up and realizing that I'm not alone in that and that we could all support each other to get past it was important. So speaking of community and the bootcamp community, you recently shared a fun video of an experience you had in Croatian. Could you share a little bit about that story here? Yes, I have a friend that uh, in Croatia that I've known for uh, at the time of that video for 10 years. We met playing a game and this was my second trip there and I had been practicing, but I didn't really, I'd fallen into that classic trap of I couldn't hold a conversation. So what we did was just a fun little video. Um, and she was my translator and I said it in Croatian and she had to say it in English. Her English is flawless. And it was just making us laugh because some of the things are, you know, you sound like a Cold War spy movie where, you know, the eagle has landed and the grass is green. Um, but we were laughing over things like, I now know how to say, where are the penguins in Croatian? They don't have penguins in Croatia. Um, but the one that cracked us up the most was the my vacuum cleaner is broken and my floor is dirty. And we just couldn't stop laughing. And 
it was it was fun because it, it should be fun and I'm not afraid to laugh at myself. Um, the 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 whole process of setting it up, I had tried to to memorize it and then when the moment came I couldn't. And I was like, you know what, this isn't a performance thing. You're here to have fun. You're on vacation. This is your friend. She's gonna be supportive. And we just had a blast. So in this day and age, there are so many resources that are available to us, and a lot of them are quite modern. And it can be very tempting to decide, you know, oh, it's 2023, I should be using the latest tech. And unfortunately, sometimes some apps are just a waste of time. And one thing that you've incorporated into your practice is using old school worksheet worksheet style exercises just to practice those conjugations and grammar. So why does that work so well for you? And why are you uh, deciding I'm going to stick to this rather than using all the bells and whistles and, you know, colors and pretty things that maybe an app or a website might, might do for me? Because learning it that way in the past has helped me with some of the why questions, um, like irregular verbs. If I have a worksheet that has me conjugate them over and over and over and then use them in sentences, I understand them better than just throwing them at me here in one sentence and there in another sentence. I really need that that framework. And another thing that has worked for me in the past is going to a distraction-free atmosphere to study. I'm very fortunate that I live in the same town where I went to college. And I spent countless hours in that library in college studying and studying and studying. So now when I want to be free of distractions and and the three cats that want my attention in the house, I go to the library at the college and I study there for a few hours. And it puts me into that same mental state of I learned so much here doing this in this way in this exact building. And so I'm able to recreate an atmosphere that I know has worked for me on that issue and allow myself the freedom to spend my remaining free time doing it in ways that are new to me. So I I sort of divided up old school and new school. Um, I don't memorize flashcards, but when I'm writing things on the worksheets, doing them over and over, that reinforces it in my brain more than typing it on a um, tablet or a computer um, or my phone. And I know that there are countless studies out there reinforcing that. I also write in cursive, and apparently that also engages your brain a little differently and makes the memories imprint better. Um, So that might explain I'm a copious note taker. Uh, That might explain why they work better for me than for other people. I also do something when I write in my daily life that I used in college in the days before Twitter and texting uh, when we didn't have the way of dropping all our vowels and spelling things the short way. I was already dropping all my vowels and created my own shorthand. But if it was shorter in French, I wrote it in French. Just anything to get the word onto the paper and keep up the pace with the professor or if I was interviewing somebody, I found a way that worked for me. And that was my adaptive technique to embrace my learning style. And I know that that works for me now. So that's another way I can incorporate um, the new vocabulary that I'm learning if I'm writing out a grocery list and something shorter in Spanish or I feel like writing it in Spanish, I'll write it in Spanish. One of the questions that we like to ask each of the guests that come on the podcast, given that this is the language hacking podcast, is what is your definition of language hacking? Setting aside the mindset that the way they did it in school has to be the way you do it now. If it didn't work for you in school, it's probably not going to work for you now. So finding a way that does appeal to your learning style, your 
availability, your sense of fun, your sense of motivation. You don't have to sit there and do grammar worksheets and do this before you do that. Do it in the order that makes the sense to you, because then you'll see progress and that'll motivate you more than realizing you finished chapter one. And uh, where do you see yourself going from here? So what, how are you going to continue your progress with your current languages and what other languages do you think you might take on? I'm going to stick with Spanish for a little while because of my wedding clientele. My goal for this challenge is modest but measurable. Right now, I can only speak in present tense. I am run to store. But I'm going to add another tense uh, before the end of this challenge. That's my goal there. And after that, I will be going back to Croatian. Um, a lot of it is sort of dictated by where we decide to travel. Um, our next two planned trips are Scotland and Spain again, so I don't need to learn a new language for those. So that gives me the time to work on that. But our ultimate plan is to retire to Croatia, and it's a challenging language. So I will be going back to that um, and probably some variations on it. Like I would want to learn Bosnian and Serbian and Ukrainian um, that are similar but not identical so that I can travel easily through the area. Very good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey and your story with us. It's been absolutely fascinating. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me and for the program. It really, I'm stunned at how much progress I've made. I keep telling all my friends about it. Uh, that's great. Yeah, it's good to have you in the program. You definitely add to the enthusiasm that we, we love to have in the community. So yeah, thank you very much for this chat. And uh, for everybody listening, until the next time, I wish you all very happy language learning. Happy language learning. At the end of each episode, Benny and I like to share something that we took away from our conversation with our guest. And this is something that you can try out in your own language learning over the next week. So I'm going to go ahead and start today, Benny. And mine was how much emphasis she put on finding strategies and methods that worked for her. I feel like a lot of the time we do the reverse. We try to fit into a particular resource or method rather than really doing something that's personalized to what our needs are. And so I would say that what I would recommend trying out this week is regardless of what resources you're using or methods currently, see if there's a way you can personalize your experience with them a little bit more to your own needs and yourself. What about you, Benny? What was your takeaway? Uh, similar to you, I liked the, the theme of what she was saying in terms of finding what works and accepting that maybe if you did successfully learn previously, what worked then doesn't work now. Uh, but separate to that, something else that came up was um, when I was asking her about like why even take something like the challenge, because it does feel like she has a pretty decent system in place that she can learn a language. And what I really liked was what she was saying with that example of, of course, el tiempo in Spanish uh, does mean time and weather. And you can kick yourself if you should know this, but you you misunderstand it. But then when you see somebody else make that mistake, it really normalizes the whole project. I'm currently in deep learning mode myself of um, Korean in my case. And at times I can feel like, man, I should be much further than I currently am, or I'm such an idiot. I should know this already. I learned it. But by going into boot camp and seeing how other people are learning and seeing them struggle and share their mistakes, 
or being part of any kind of community like that, it really takes that pressure off and makes me feel like, do you know what? I'm human. Other people make these mistakes as well. It's okay. So it's why I, I do recommend people consider that even if you have found the perfect learning approach, learning with others really does completely transform your experience. And it takes a lot of the psychological burdens off your shoulders. So I really like that that came up. Well, once again, if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, you can let us know what you think over at languagehacking.com slash review. And if you are interested in also having a 15 minute conversation in your new language, you can learn more about our bootcamp at languagehacking.com slash bootcamp. And until the next time, happy language learning. Happy language learning. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave us a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis, Shannon Kennedy, and Elizabeth Bruckner, and produced by Alice Semino, with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. The theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning.